Boston College needed running back help, and uh, they had a, a person in in mind a couple of weeks ago, and by Shell Tootin, he uh, decided he had Hokies in mind and decided to go someplace else. But this weekend, the Eagles landed a second transfer at running back from a school that's not very familiar for a lot of Boston College fans. We're going to get into who this player is and what kind of role he could play for the Eagles. In addition, it was a big week Ben's basketball as they sweep. Notre Dame. We'll get into Quentin Post's big game and how Earl Grant's doing the right thing by shortening his bench. All this and more on today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on BC, AJ Black here. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs have qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, we've been waiting for some more transfer news. It's been quiet since Logan Taylor, the offensive tackle from UVA committed to BC a couple weeks ago. But this weekend, BC did get some good news as a running back. Kai Robichaux, and I'm probably botching his last name, uh, committed to BC. This is a running back. He was a sophomore at Western Kentucky, where he was the backup, averaging 6.7 yard point nine yards per game. With me to this Robichaux is staff writer at Eagle Insider, Mitch Wolf. How's it going? Going good. Uh, you know, we I got my scouting report on this guy up today. Uh, I had some interesting comments about it, so I thought it'd be it'd be interesting to talk about him because you know, obviously, he's replacing a previous transfer that I know some people were excited about, but um, let's, we'll just get into the player now, I guess. All right. So Robichaux, he's six feet tall, 215 pounds. He's a little bigger, obviously than Alex Broom and Camp Barfield, who is more of the kind of smaller scat backs. Uh, You know, he played quite a bit last year, but he was still a backup. Mitch, you watched the film. Talk a little bit about what you noticed about this running back. So the thing that I noticed is uh, he's a uh, three down back and he wasn't used as much because they like to rotate their backs Western Kentucky uh, because they're a very high tempo offense. Uh, it's, you know, it's big time air raid, spread the ball, go fast. So, you know, so a player will be on the field for, you know, as long as they keep going. But then once there's a break in the drive, they want to get them out so they can keep all, all the guys fresh. And they had a guy transfer in from, I believe it was Indiana. And I know his last name is Irvin Poindexter. I'm not sure what his full name was. Actually, it's Davion Irvin Poindexter. Uh, and he was kind of their, I would say their main back last year. And especially before, or especially after uh, uh, Grobeshaw got hurt. So, but I was really impressed with what I saw. Um, you know, he is a bigger back, six foot two fifteen, but they use him a lot in the passing game as both a blocker and a receiver. And he's very good at both. Um, you know, the size is really important because I know BC, you know, this year the pass blocking from running backs got better, even though the pass blocking from everybody else got worse. Um, Alex Broom was a revelation there, despite being only a true freshman. But this is a guy that is really experienced in it because he's obviously on the field a lot for these kind of plays and then he's also on the field a lot for being a receiver and they used him in a lot of ways. He didn't run a ton of, you know, traditional routes from the slot or out wide, but they, you know, threw to him on screens. They had some vertical routes with him, which was good to see, but he's very good at transitioning from a receiver to a runner. Uh, you know, his, his soft hands and he doesn't have to slow down or change his stride to catch the ball while he's running. So that's good to see in terms of being a running back. Uh, I was really impressed as a bigger back for his, uh, 
quick feet and contact balance in the hole. Uh, you know, so you, so you can have big backs that, you know, can run over people, but if they are kind of trying to tiptoe through a hole and get just tipped a little bit, they'll fall over, but he's really good through the hole. Um, and you know, as many bigger backs, he does like to run through people and he is very difficult to bring down. You know, you usually need at least two defenders to get him down and he's always falling forward for extra yards, which is good to see. So I've just pulled up his offensive grades on pro football focus. He had a 74.8, which, you know, you're looking at, if you don't know how pro football focus grades, Zay, Zay flowers had a 75.5. <laughs> so he would have been the second ranked uh, offensive player on B or second ranked player on B. Uh, yeah. Player in general on BC. Um, or actually offensive player. I have the wrong grades for uh, defense and not in front of me. Um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of fun for a guy that is explosive or a guy that can make plays. What have you seen out of him? Is he a faster back, more physical? Where, where do you think he kind of falls in that kind of that 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 kind of running back scheme? He's definitely more of the physical type, um, given his size. He is not the most laterally explosive and doesn't have great long speed. If if it's if the run is blocked well and he can you know get going down the alley, he can pick up a big chunk of yards. But he's not going to outrun you know, the whole defense by any means. Uh, but he is very consistent in terms of like picking up key yards. You know, he knows how many yards he needs to get in every play and is like, okay, I, I just got to like, if it's got to be first down, I just got to get the first down and then I'll worry about the rest later, especially if it's a, you know, a third down or something like that. Uh, but he's also, and I think this is really important. He's very good at running out of shotgun because Western Kentucky's offense is almost exclusively out of shotgun. And that's something that I think BC's running backs, especially Pat Garo had, a little bit of issues adjusting to, especially late in the year. Um, you know, Garwo is more of a downhill type runner. Um, and he, I think he's more, he's better for zone type of runs, which BC ran a lot with, uh, Frank Signetti, but they kind of moved more towards gap last year. So, and I think we'll kind of see, see a swing back towards the middle of the pendulum this year with whoever the new offensive coordinator is. Um, but with, with, uh, Robichaud, it's he's very good at running gap schemes out of shotgun, which I, I think is very interesting. And I think that's something BC is going to employ a lot more. And, you know, if BC can successfully run out of shotgun, ideally with this revamped offensive line, that I think is a huge key towards opening up the offense. Because if you can run from light personnel, which is something that Robichaud did a lot at West Kentucky, you know, their air raid teams, they're doing a lot of 11 and 10 personnel. That's one tight or one running back, one or zero tight ends, and then four, three or four wide receivers, depending on if it's 11 or 10. Uh, but you know, if BC can run out of those, those kind of downs and they can force teams to, you know, bring heavier personnel to stop those runs, then they'll be able to open up the pass game that way. So I think that that is going to be, I think he's going to be a very important addition to this running back room, even though he's not kind of the explosive running type that maybe a guy like Bashal Tootin was. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Uh, I think a lot of folks really had their, their um, hearts broken by Tootin when he left uh, and decided to go to Virginia tech at the 11th hour. What differences are there between what we could be getting from Robichaux and what Tootin would have brought? I think, I think Tootin is definitely more of that. He has that long speed and I, you know, he was also used as a receiver. Uh, he had 40 targets for 30. Rece- this is uh Tootin. He had 40 targets and 30 receptions last year. And um Oh, sorry. I'm on the running page for Robichaud, but you know, even though again, he was an air raid offense, Robichaud had less and granted he was in a timeshare backfield. So it's a little different, but he had only 15 targets and 13 receptions, but 
you know, the, the problem was also uh, Robichaud got hurt last year about midway through the season. He tried to come back and wasn't really healthy. He suffered, a, I believe, a shoulder injury against Middle Tennessee State. But if you look at towards the middle of the year, you know, weeks about four through seven, he started getting a lot more snaps. So I think that before the injury, they were starting to lean more towards Robichaud. And I think that if he had stayed healthy, he would have taken on a much bigger load in this offense. Uh, but going back to Tootin, and what they're missing with him, like I said, you know, explosive home run hitter. But honestly, I, I think they're going to get some of that out of Alex Broom. Um, I think he showed that ability to be the explosive running back, whereas Garwo and probably a guy like Robichaud are going to be more of your traditional, um, you know, run between the tackles, pick up key yards, but maybe not as have as many chunk plays. But the other thing about, um, like I mentioned about the running after contact or getting yards after contact for Tootin, he averaged 3.48 yards after contact per carry. And if you turn on a 70 carry minimum filter which for pff that's about 20 percent, and that's usually the filter i use to kind of filter out guys who maybe had like you know 10 carries or you know and then their stats are really wonky but anyways so he hits uh that that 3.48 yards after contact per carry was tied for the 58th most in fbs which i that doesn't sound incredible but if you think about how many running backs there are in fbs and how many of them get a lot of carries that's pretty good and then that was seventh best in his conference which was the cusa so that's something that I think is really important, you know, being able to get those extra yards uh, that, you know, you might not think of immediately, but they matter in the long run. Um, I had to put up Marty party, who is one of our, our VIP uh, um, commenters here says, sounds like the second coming of Andre calendar. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's put a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of pressure on a, on a guy for, uh, to become one of the better running backs in BC history. But in a moment, Mitch and I are going to talk about this running back room, which last year got beat up by injuries, but needs to have a bigger year. And with an offensive line that hopefully will be improved, we'll see that next year. We'll get into what that looks like. And then in the third segment, we're going to also talk about uh, the basketball game, which was a big win for BC on Saturday. Now, as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs help you quietly and quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company, <coughs> excuse me, and their 875 million member profiles to put your job in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify those most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them for fast and for free. So make sure to head over to LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Locked On BC here, AJ Black. And if you have not done so already, we uh, went up over 710 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Love each and every one of you that have made this part of your daily routine listening or coming on live. If you are listening for the first time, go to youtube.com slash Locked On BC. And find us, hit that subscribe button, like this video. It helps tremendously. It helps find new people who don't know about our podcast. Those quiet Boston College fans. We're going to build a kick butt community here. Um, and I want you to be part of it. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube for Locked On BC. And thank you to all who have. Now, BC has a bunch of returning running backs coming back. They lost Alex Singfield. He's one of the few guys. I think there was five or six players that actually graduated this year and are out of eligibility. So he's the one that's gone. He didn't really play much of a role this year because he was hurt. 
Then you had Pat Garwo, which Mitch talked quite a bit about in that first segment, but we'll talk a little bit more about him. Alex Broom and Cam Barfield, they definitely needed to add some depth here. They have Dottrell Jones. We have true freshman coming in. We don't know what he will be able to bring. Mitch, what are your thoughts about this running back room, and how do you feel? How do you see it kind of playing out this year? So I'll start by saying that I think Robichaud is probably the most complete of the three backs in that he running receiving and pass blocking. He's good at all three. And I would say that probably each running back that's currently on the roster, maybe with the exception of pass blocking has one trait that they are better than him that they're at. So like, for example, I would say like, I would say him and Garwa are probably about equal, but I'll, I'll give Garwa the benefit of the doubt because he knows this, he knows the players, he knows the system, what have you. Um, he's a little more experienced as well. You know, Garwa's, I believe is a red shirt senior and Robichaud will be a true junior. So I'll give him that. And also Garwa was played against many more power five teams, whereas Robichaud is making that talent jump. And that was something else I was con- a little concerned about with Tootin is jumping. I know jumping from Western Kentucky to BC is technically a jump, but moving from FCS, and even though he was great at FCS to, FBS and power five is a big jump, but I digress anyways. So Garbo is probably the best runner. I would say, uh, Robichaud is probably the second best. And then maybe broom is third, uh, broom, you know, I know he had those big explosive plays, but he's still kind of figuring out vision, patience and all that. Uh, luckily he has the lateral explosiveness and agility to, you know, make something of nothing's there. And that's something that I think Garwo and Robichaud don't necessarily have in terms of receiving. I think you saw everybody got a little better in that department. Um, I think, think probably broom was the most reliable but even he had some issues and a lot of it was just when emma moore had nowhere else to go he just dumped it off to him i think robichaud is probably the most experienced receiver maybe next to xavier coleman who's kind of that hybrid player and then blocking i think robichaud is definitely the answer there because he's he's kind of reminds me of what john hillman was his final year at bc where he was the quote third down back with aj Dillon because he was just he was an older player so he knew more about pass blocking and he was better at receiving at that point um I'm not saying he's, you know, near John Hillman's talent, but that's just kind of in terms of a role comparison. That's how I see it. Um, so I, I still think at least to begin the year, you're going to see Garwo dominate the carries and especially the early down snaps. I think you'll see kind of a rotation between Robichaud, Broom, and maybe even Coleman on third downs. But I think as the year goes on, I think you're going to see it become more of a split carry situation between Garwo and Robichaud, and he might even just stay on the field on passing downs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Cam Barfield also. Yeah, um, I think he's due for a red shirt. I think they honestly wanted to do that last year, but because of the injuries, they had just had to get him on the field because they were pretty much out of bodies. Um, so I think he might be due for a red shirt, you know, get him, hey, him a little more up to size. Um, Xavier Cole was a bit of a disappointment last year, but I don't put a ton of that on him just because the rest of the offense was such a mess. And he got um, hurt. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. Uh, but again, I think... This all really, and as we saw last year, this all really comes down to the offense line improving, which we've talked a lot about. Um, but I, I think that again, mostly just because of regressing to the to the mean, I think the offense line is going to improve relative to what we saw last year. All right, Mitch, thank you so much. And uh, just a little bit more football news um, tomorrow on uh, Eagle Insider. We already have up uh, Mitch's full scouting report on Kyle Robichaud that you're going to want to check out for VIP subscribers. I have. Um, I was going to run it today, but there was so much other news. I just sat on it. Uh, BC was really uh, busy this weekend. Tem Lokabu at Tampa Catholic and offered a whole handful of new uh, offers out there. I broke down who's, who's who they had, who they offered, who they have a chance with, who they have no chance with. You'll see that up for VIP subscribers. And also just in terms of transfer portal news, uh, one name that popped up uh, and I saw some, our message board and Eagles insider was talking about it, but I know from uh, just talking to staff, who he is uh that michael wright 
uh, a quarterback from Vanderbilt had a BC offer and ended up choosing Mississippi State at the last moment. Uh, I know that was a tough loss probably for the staff. Um, it looked like I thought he was going to end up at BC just based off of some impressions I got, uh, but he's ending up going to the Bulldogs and uh, BC is going to have to figure out a backup quarterback situation because God knows if something happens to Moorhead, what they have uh, behind him next year, it's going to be a lot of question marks. So I'll have to figure that out. All right, Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf to be O L F E on Twitter. Uh, like I said, uh, the Robichaud scouting report is up on Eagle insider. Uh, and as we're getting into the NFL off season and draft season, we're going to have uh, scouting reports on it's really just Zay and Jaden. Um, and basically we'll be refreshing. I'm refreshing my report of his from the preseason with just some updated numbers, some updated impressions from this last year. Um, and, you know, then we'll get on Jaden's once I get some more film on him because it's tough to come by. And then also this week, we're going to be interviewing some of we're going to have we're going to be having a few interviews with BC players, both prospective, I guess, current and former players, which will be fun. All right. Well, thank you, Mitch. Um, in a moment, we're going to talk. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about BC men's basketball's big weekend and look at hockey, who had a miserable um, output against Vermont. Well, this is AJ Black. Locked on BC. We are at BC's only daily podcast out there. You can find all sorts of other podcasts out there. You can get the school's podcast. I'm sure they have some good stuff on there. And I'm, I know there's a few others, but we are the only podcast that does this five days a week. I want to thank each and every one of you who has made this part of your daily routine. Listen to us every day. Get us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. But, I, you know, going into this, the uh, pr- you know, I was you know, prepping for today's show earlier today. I was like, okay, we're going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about big win over Notre Dame and then transfer portal hits and transfer portal news. I'm telling you folks runs the roost. Well, let's get back to Saturday because BC basketball played an absurd game against Notre Dame. I'm going to call it absurd. Cause I think that's the right word to use just three days after being held scoreless from the three point line. BC went 11 for 19 from three point range. Quinton Post scored 29 points. Makai Ashton Langford dropped 20 with seven assists. And BC beats Notre Dame by 12 in South Bend. It was a great win. Well, here's how it goes Notre Dame jumped out to a lead. BC chipped away with it with three point shooting. I feel like I was in the Twilight Zone watching this game. B- uh, BC then just takes over in the second half. They they go on a four. Uh, was a twelve zero or twelve zero run or a fourteen zero run to start the second half. It looks like they're going to get in control. Notre Dame is just a complete mess, it, but it's we're Boston College, right? Things can't be easy for BC. <laughs> so Notre Dame comes scoring back. I mean, I don't have the um, the scoring uh, chart in front of me, but the way that the Fighting Irish came back in that second half was absurd. It was like free throw, free throw, free throw, three point, three pointer. And it was all within like a couple minutes. And they chipped away at a 12 or 14 point lead and took the lead against BC. It just looked like things were going to fall apart. Well, Quentin Post was not going to let that happen. The big, the big Dutch center just kept hitting shots. I mean, everyone on this team was hitting shots. Prince Oligby, who's in the picture you see right there, he hit a big three pointer. Makai Ashton Langford hit some big shots. And BC just just stepped on their throats and put this game away. It was a very good win for BC. I know Notre Dame's bad. They're a bad team, but right now Earl Grant is going to finish 
Mike, uh, you know, Mike Bray, the Notre Dame head coach is going to retire at the end of this year. Earl Grant is three and one against Mike Bray. That is a, that's a nice little record there. They could obviously play face off in the ACC tournament. And honestly kind of would like to, cause I think BC would beat him again, but that's a nice win. And it gets you off the four game lose streak, losing streak. It gets you um, a possible winning streak. Cause you get a absolutely abysmal Louisville team. They were two and 17. Oh my gosh. Like they be paying this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired by the end of this year because that team is a complete cluster bleep. And believe me, I see a bunch of people out there. Um, Peter Caruso says, whoever here is going to the little game on Wednesday, please arrive early and boo Louisville as loud as possible. I can't handle if BC loses <laughs> to Louisville. They cannot lose this game. BC needs to win this. But it's BC, and I, I think back in my head, I'm like, they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose because it's BC. They can't. They they can't do this kind of stuff. Well, anyways, back to Notre Dame. I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself here. The Notre Dame game. It was the best offensive performance I've seen BC put together this year. They win 82, uh, 84-72. They shot very crisply from everywhere on the court. Quinton Post. Had, and someone asked, does he have, um, who asked? It was Bruce McLaren. How many years does Post have after this year? He has one more after this year. So BC has this guy for another year. He says after the game, this is the best he's felt all year. This is the best he's, and he, I mean, he looked it. He, he, he dominated that game from start to finish. And he, Nate Lazuski, who also had 29 points. But when you're scoring the way he did, you're not going to lose many games. And so this was exciting because, we have been waiting all year long to see how post would get to, you know, a hundred percent. He looked a hundred percent. There's no way about it. He was four for four from three point range. Saturday, they can shoot from three that, that immediately makes your, your offense better. So it was fun. Again, perspective. It's Notre Dame. It's still Notre Dame though. Isn't beating Notre Dame fun. That, that's going to be fun. Okay, I got to say that. So good win for BC. Now, Let's get to the bad. Let's get to the bad. And I didn't watch this game, these games, but I saw about it on social media. BC men's hockey, who I just, you know, pumped tire their tires all week long, but how good they were playing, loses twice to Vermont. One of them, the first game, and both of them at home. One, the first game, they lose in overtime in shootouts. Ugh. Second game is that is not going to get you. They were like right on the edge of getting into it, you know, like the right on the edge of tournament talk and all that good stuff. Well, you, you lose two games to Vermont, that's not going to help your cause. Um, and so this was a tough weekend for them. Women's basketball, they lost to Clemson. I didn't watch that game, but. Uh, you know, their, their odds of getting into the tournament is also getting lower and their odds of getting into the NIT for the women's is getting lower too, but just wanted to bring those little quick nuggets up. We'll probably have some more transfer portal talk tomorrow. We'll look at BC's upcoming game against Louisville and how I will never survive if they lose this game and we'll have a, so much more. I can't wait to talk about it with all of you. As, as Mitch said, we have some great guests coming up. We're going to have some different people from BC football. You're not going to want to miss this. And if you are listening for the first time on YouTube, hit that subscribe button right now and like the video. It does help us out. Look, we cover Boston College, a sport. And, and you guys all know if you're listening to this, 
that not many people care about. And I have been passionate about this team for years. I want to give you what bigger programs have, what the Michigans and the Kentuckys and all those schools have like good coverage, passionate talking, you know, not just talking about what the coaches say. Cause that's freaking boring. If you want to hear, if you want to go listen to what Jeff Halfley has to say and just parrot that back, you can go listen to his press conference. You don't need me to write it up. I'm going to tell you what I think about it. And I may be wrong. Heck, I'm wrong all the time, but I have fun with it. You guys have fun with it. We get into it. Well, thank you so much. This is AJ Black. Follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. Again, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. We'll be back again tomorrow. I can't wait to see you all. Stay safe, everyone. We'll see you again soon. Take care.